Mizrach, everybody. Thank you very much for the introduction. I can always tell when I'm being introduced in Baltimore because they call it Silver Spring, Lashon Yachid, at Silver Springs. <coughs> it's a big covet and an honor to have been asked to speak in front of such a kahila of Bnei Taira. And in particular, as I heard from the Rav, that this kahila started out very similar to the way my kahila started out uh, in a basement, and we last, we, Baruch Hashem, got out of the basement a little quicker than this kahila got out of the basement simply because we were kicked out of the basement. <laughs> that's a very big uh, motivation to build a building, so if you ever need anything to get done, that's a good way to do it. Um, but it's, uh, it's a tremendous chizuk to see such a, a group of, of B'nai Taira and Oivde Hashem and Mavakshe Hashem, and it's a big chizuk to be able to, to speak. At such a at, at such a love Malcolm, <clears throat> I want to share a few facts or ideas about Adar and about Purim that were a big chiddush to me, and let me know if you have heard any of these before. So I'm going to ask you a question. If you don't mind raising your hands, how many people hang up a Mishanichnas Adar sign in their house? Okay, everybody who doesn't. My son, Shimmy, he's 6'7", he'll be happy to volunteer to make one for you. <laughs> uh, but there is such a minute, as you see, there is such a minute to hang up a sign, Mishanichnas Adar sign, in your house. What you may not know is that where are you supposed to hang up that sign? Where in the house should that sign be hung up? There's a sefer, it's called the Alkad of Ram. It's written pre-war, and has askamis. He was a Rav in Europe, and he has askamis from the Mikhat Jerov, the Mikhat Salazar and others, and he writes that this is a prevalent minig, and he's trying to understand it. And he says that the correct place to hang it, and he says the real reason why we hang it at all, is you're supposed to put it over the amma al amma that you make zeichel harm. That's where it's supposed to be hung, to block the zeichel harm. So much so, I saw in another sefer that Rabbi Yashiv was asked about this, and he disagreed. He said you shouldn't do that. So you could be after kind of shame, you could cover part way, part way not. But he says that's the tachlis. The tachlis is it should be hung over to block the, the zeich l'charben. And he quotes as a source, he says that the Shariah Tshuva and Shulchan Aruch brings down from the Marek Seer, Yaakov Emden, that even though one of the zeich l'charbens that is not really practiced so much because we don't really know how to do it. But there is one of the one of the takanas of Zeichel Lacharbin is that whenever you have a big suda, you should be memayit one dish. You should not. You should subtract one typical dish. So we don't really have it so mapped out exactly what our dishes are, so that we don't we don't do this that often. But that's one of the Zeichel Lacharbins. But the Marxia says that by sudas purim, you don't do a Zeichel Lacharbin. You don't have to subtract any dish. So he uses this as a source. That, I, that, that on Purim, you don't do Zechel Acharbim, that's where the Mishnechnas Adesain is supposed to go. Okay, so this is interesting. Along the same lines, and this also, you may have never heard before, it's big Chiddush to me, I found this in Sefer Yosef Lakach, on Megillah Sester. The Sefer Yosef Lakach is, was written by Eliezer Ashkenazi, it was a Talmud of the Shittim Kubetzes, and uh, you may have seen it, it's printed together with the Pirish Agra. And the reason why they printed together with the, with the Pirish Agra is because most of the Graz Pirish was clearly based on the Yosef Lekach's approach to uh, Megillah Sester. So he says of Pshat in Chai Vinish Lupsumi, Adla Yadat in Perik uh, Tes, Pasich of Gimel. He says of Pshat in Chai Vinish Lupsumi, Adla Yadat. Right? So there's, there's about, I don't know, 500 Pshatim in Chai Vinish Lupsumi, Adla Yadat. But he says, this is an original Pshat, 
he says that the pshat is biyos shenemar imloy elas yushalayim al roish simchasi. That Ba'atzim, every time we're Basimcha, we're supposed to remember Yerushalayim. We're supposed to remember Chorban Yerushalayim. Ratzu, Chazal wanted, Sheyishtu v'yishkechu reishem v'galusam. Chazal wanted that we should drink and become shikr and forget about Yerushalayim. Shuloi yizachru Chorban Abayis. We should not remember the Chorban Abayis. Achrei re'oisam hayad ha'gedoylo v'ashkoch ha'mufleges. Now that we're a witness to the tremendous Yad HaChazaka, the Yad HaGadol, the tremendous Nase that HaKadosh Baruch Hu performed, and the tremendous Hashgacha that he looked at over us, L'makam Aleinu, Im HaYoyshin Nistalka HaShchina, although the Shechina had been Nistalik and the Beis HaMikdash had been destroyed, nonetheless HaKadosh Baruch Hu was with us and was Meshkiach upon us. Ukumekein, he says, Kavu'a Dairis, and that's why they were Kaveh forever, Bishtiya Mufleges, that you should drink such a tremendous amount in order, Sheyishka Chalusa, we should forget Galus. Imkalze says, they didn't want to say you should drink because it doesn't pass to say that you should drink until you forget So they just use that as a as a guideline how much you need to drink. That if you forget about so then you'll have forgotten about the Kharbin Yushalayim. And he says the reason is after Hashem let us know even though we're in Galus he didn't abandon us we should have a total simcha there should be no nothing diminishing that simcha at all and he says, in the time of Mordechai, they were still, just had come out of the base of Mikdash. They just come from the Kharban base of Mikdash. So they needed to drink that much to forget the Kharban base of Mikdash. We don't have to drink that much to forget the Kharban base of Mikdash, unfortunately. But in those days, it was not impossible for them to forget the Kharban base of Mikdash without drinking to that level, and that's why they're Misakin this mitzvah. So that's a plea, right? Another amazing pshat. In But what I find fascinating about this, and what I want to speak about today, is that the truth is, when we are besimcha on Purim, and we do attempt to be mekayim, the mitzvah of Ad Yada, to the best of our ability, so the simcha gets to a certain point, and it, it reaches a, it's a unique level that it only re- reaches on Purim, and a lot of times what I find is that in our own minds, we don't even know the direction the simcha is supposed to take us. We're not sure exactly where we're going with this simcha. What are we doing with this simcha? Where is it supposed to, what are we supposed to be accomplishing? What level are we supposed to be kind through this elevated, tremendous simcha? And I think if we understand what these farm are saying, it'll help us understand what direction we're supposed to lead ourselves with the tremendous simcha that we're misameach and purim. So let me share a third fascinating thing, which I only saw a chat this year. So, we know that on the 13th of Adar, Klai Yisrael waged war against all their enemies, right? And all the Medinas of Achishresh, and they kill, killed 75,000 people. Then Esther goes to Achishresh, and she asks for another day. In Shushan, they had killed 500 people. She says, can we have another day? And he grants them another day, and on the 14th day, they kill another 300 people in Shushan. And hence, that's why there's two days of Purim. One day for the... the the Netzachin and the day of Menucha, the 14th of Adar, and one for the Netzachin and Shushan and the day of Menucha, which is the 15th of Adar. Now, let me ask you a question, and you must have had this question before. Why didn't they kill those 300 people the first day? 
they ran out of ammunition, <laughs> they ran out of time, they managed to kill 75,000 people, they couldn't kill those 300? What, 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 what happened over here? Why was there such an like, oversight that they missed them, that they had to ask for another day? And Pump, those 300 people were the only people that were not killed, of all the Ivim, of the, uh, and all the Sainim, and all Medina Sachashverish, everywhere else it was fine, they got every last guy, and in Shushan Punk, there was 300 people that they missed, not 299, not 301. These 300, and it necessitated Esther asking for another day. It, it's just very strange. What does it mean? And we find an astounding thing. In a, it's called Medrash Rabasi. It's a different Medrash, Ambracious. So on the Pasuk that Yosef gave Binyamin, he gave him Matanis, right? So he gave him Chamesh Khalifa's Begadim, and he gave him Shloishmeyas Kesef. He gave him 300 silver coins. So the Medrash says, Shloishmei es kesef, remez ramaz loy. He was giving a remez to Binyamin. She'asud lotzus menu bas, he's going to have a daughter. She'tishal mehamelech, that's going to ask from the king. She'yaharugu b'seneem, yoimachad, that they should kill their enemies for one day. V'yiplu alpila, and through her demand, ba'isa yoim gibel me'esish, 300 people will die. So this was not only uh, a lack of ammunition, but it was a very, very specific matana that Yosef gave to Binyamin, that these 300 people would be a special schus that Esther would have to be able to wipe out these 300 people on the second day after the first day of, of, of Ritzichah. So a number of svarim, I see, explain in the same fashion. And they say that the reason why these 300 people were not killed on the first day is because they were very different. They weren't included in the decree of the first day. The decree of the first day allowed Kalal Yisrael to be Lamad al-Nafshan. That means they were able to kill anybody that was trying to kill them. So all the 75,000 people were all the people that if Kalal Yisrael wouldn't have killed them, they would have killed Kalal Yisrael. Those are all the Goyim that were waiting for the opportunity to kill on the day of Yudal. They thought there was going to be the big day, Yud Gimel, they are going to be able to kill all the Yidden. They, Kalal Yisrael instead, had Rishos, Tvilam, and Al-Nafshim, and killed them instead, and all 75,000 of those were killed. Ad Echad, they didn't run out of ammunition. These 300 people was a whole different sug of people. These were people who were noblemen. They lived in Shushan. They had the king's ear. These were the people who hated the Jews. They were Amalekim. And they hated the Jews, and they were the people that would constantly be mekatrig on the Jews. And that we see in Tanakh, whenever Klai Yisrael tried to get something done, they tried to build, start, start building the Beis Hamikdash. They, they started it in the time of Ezra, uh, some 18 years before the actual uh, the end of Galus Babel, and then there was Kitrugim. There were people who said Lashon Hara about Klai Yisrael. There were people in the in the in the in the capital that spoke to the king and convinced him to not allow the Jews. The Jews were rebelling, so this was a constant issue that there were the 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 Sinim, these enemies of Kalal Yisrael that weren't there directly killing Kalal Yisrael, but they were mekatrigim, they were constantly saying evil things about Kalal Yisrael, and these were the people who were not included in the decree. And she asked permission, can I kill these people too? And that was given permission. And that rishus that was given to Esther to kill these 300 people had a much, much deeper connotation than just merely the fact that they were killed. The The... the the fact that these Mekatrigim were wiped out demonstrated that the Mekatrigim in Shemayim were also wiped out. It was the same power, the same Koyach, that necessitated 
that for, for, for Esther to be able to accomplish this is that if Amalekim in this world were wiped out, those who are Mekatrik Bepoil on Klal Yisrael in this world were wiped out, so she also had accomplished that all the Mekatrikim in Shemaim on Klal Yisrael. Whenever Klal Yisrael wants to rebuild the base of Mikdash and in Shemaim there are Mekatrikim that say, no, Klal Yisrael is not Roy, all those were wiped out as well. And that's why, in a sense, it was Yosef giving a matana to Binyamin, because essentially this is Yosef's domain. It's Yosef's job to be the one of Yaakov Avinu to destroy Amalek. It was given as a present to Binyamin. This will be your, your daughter will be, have the schus to wipe out that kayach of Amalek and clear the path so that Klai Yisrael should be able to rebuild the Beis HaMikdash. And at that point, Klai Yisrael was worthy of Mashiach coming. And it's a Gemara, it's a Gemara Brachis. The, the Geula from Babel was meant to be the final Geula. Gemara says, Ad Gemara Dadal, Ad Yavar Amcha Hashem, Zubiri Shaina, Ad Yavar Amcha Amzu Kanisa, Zubiri Shaina. So Biri Shaina means when they came from Mitzrayim and they built the first base of Mikdash. Ad Yavar Amzu Kanisa is when they came with Ezra to build the second base of Mikdash. Mikan Amr Chachamim, Ruim Hay Yisrael Leasalam Neis Bimei Ezra. Klai Yisrael were roy to have a Neis in the time of Ezra, Kedarish and Asalam Bimei Yeshua Binun. The same way they were Nisim when Klai Yisrael took over Eretz Yisrael the first time. El Shagar Machet. So Rashi in Yechaskel explains the Gemara. He says, When they came from Golas with Ezra, it should have been a Gaulas Ayla. Means this should have been Mashiach. The Beis HaMikdash HaSheni should have been Beis HaMikdash HaShlishi. And it should have been forever. It wasn't the full tshuva. The Gemara really explains what the problem was. Gemara says, If you would have made yourself like a wall, and if you would have all gone together with Ezra, if all Jews would have followed Ezra out of Golis to Yerushalayim, you would be like Kesef to Ain Rekev Shalabah. You would never have gotten destroyed. It would have never gotten, never deteriorated. But now that you went partial, some did go, some didn't go. You're like wood. And it was destined to decay and to become Chorov. So that means that if all of Klal Yisrael would have followed Ezra, this would have been the final Gula. And the Nisim that are supposed to happen, Bimei Mashiach, would have happened then. And the Beis HaMikdash would have been the final Beis HaMikdash. And it didn't happen because Klal Yisrael didn't go. Some went and some didn't. You look in the Psukim in Ezra. Almost no Kahanim came. Very few Levim came. There was a handful of Yidin that came. And there is very fascinating sources throughout Jewish history about communities that were aware of the fact that their community was one of the communities that didn't go along with Ezra. In the Akdama to Melech HaShloyma Mishnayis, right, so it's on Mishnayis, every Mishnayis, Melech HaShloyma, very few people learn that Pirish, but it's a, a very Gishmaka Pirish on Mishnayis. He writes in his Akdama, Mi beis avi abba hanizka, from my grandfather, Mikublani, I have a Masaira, v'oit kibalnu ke'a onu min hakat, 
We're from the group. Ezra. Ezra sent them a message that we should come along for and we turned our back to them. And Ezra cursed my family. That our, our, our whole life we should always be poor. And unfortunately, this claw that we should be poor was Niskayim. <laughs> we have a, 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 a poor of uh, poverty of Tyre and poverty in money Lutiferes of a frat specifically in my family. Another source, a sefer called Sheres Yisrael, it's an older sefer, and he, in, in that sefer he quotes from someone named Abiyazpa who learned in Yeshiva of Fulda. Who the, the Rosh Hashiva's name was Rav Pinchas, who was a Talmud of the Smat. Sefer Miris the Drisha and the Prisha. So he says, there was one time we were sitting together and we were talking, we were talking about different things that go on in the world. And they talked about the Crusades and how the Crusades wiped out the city of Worms, again and again, in multiple, multiple times. And he said, Rapincha said that I heard from my Rebbe, HaKadosh, Rebbe Yimayi, Rebbe Shua Valk, right, the Baal HaSmat, why is it that worms suffered so many more than any other European city? Worms suffered destruction again and again. He says, The people who lived in worms lived there from the time of the first base of Mikdash. And at the end of Gaul's Babel, when the 70 years were up, and Nigalu B'nai Yisrael, they went to Yerushalayim, the people on worms didn't want to go. And the Yerushalayim people wrote letters to the people on worms. They should leave Golis and come. Because if they go stay in worms, they won't be able to be Oyla Regal and be able to make any of those mitzvahs. It's very distant from Yerushalayim. They turned around and they answered. Atem darim Yerushalayim akdoila. You're living in a big Yerushalayim. Anu nadar Yerushalayim akdana. We have ourselves a little Yerushalayim over here. Ki hayulahem be'esahi chashivus v'kabel gadol me'asarim amlochim. They were very influential. They were very established. Vayashirim gadolim. They're very wealthy and muflagim. Ve'leratul atzus me'agolos. They don't want to leave. Amenezah nenshu yusim misharkilas, and that's why they were punished more than any other kehila shabe Ashkenaz. Kolza shemati mirevi meri merav shuaval. Fascinating. So a whole community that suffered because they refused to go. And if you learn the Psukim in Ezra, it's not a big chiddush why nobody wanted to go to Yerushalayim. Yerushalayim was horrible. Eretz Yisrael was destroyed. It was, it was difficult to live there. They had, they had to rebuild from scratch. And they were surrounded by enemies. The Goyim who lived in Eretz Yisrael were constantly trying to undermine them and to attack them. They had to have Shoimrim, B'yayim, B'layla. It was very, very, very difficult to live and to survive in Yerushalayim. So they didn't want to leave it, and they, didn't, and they didn't come up together with Ezra. There's one other source, and this is, I think, that gives us the real insight, which is the most applicable to ourselves. The Sefer Seder HaYayim. Sefer Seder HaYayim, he was a Talmud of the Arizal, and there's a lot of things that we know about davening that we, we, uh, we got from the Seder HaYayim. So he writes, and this, I didn't see this anywhere else, he writes that MSV Yatsev, the Nusuch HaBrach of MSV Yatsev, which was on by the Anchek Nesak Doyle, he says that that Bracha was the, the language of MSV Yatsev was written by Bnei Goyla, 
who didn't want to go up with Ezra, and they were accused of being kaifrim. Like, how could you not go up with Ezra? He was doing it al pi Hashem. So they wanted to demonstrate that they're real maminim. So they wrote this tefillah of MS, v'yatsa, v'dachem, v'kayim, v'yashra. They wrote this tefillah to demonstrate that they really are maminim. But why did they not want to go up? So he says, They didn't want to go up, because they said, We don't believe this is going to be a final geula. We're going to go into Gaulus again. And this base of Mikdash is also going to get destroyed. How many times do we have to go through this? We'll just stay in Gaulus until, you know, the final version comes out. And now when you hear the, the Chazal together, you see it's a, a catch-22. Because if everybody would have gone, then it would have been the final Geula. It was because everybody wasn't going that it wasn't the final Geula. But the truth of it is, which also you see in, in the Psukim, in Ezra, is that Klal Yisrael didn't believe it was the final Geula because Klal Yisrael couldn't believe that HaKadosh Baruch Hu really wanted them back. That was something that was very difficult for the Klal Yisrael that went into Galus, that experienced the Charben Yerushalayim, that saw HaKadosh Baruch Hu giving permission to Nebuchadnezzar to destroy their Beis HaMikdash that they had such pride in. And when they built the second Beis HaMikdash, the Psukim say that anybody who saw the first Beis HaMikdash was crying. They said, this is nothing compared to the first Beis HaMikdash. And even the, se- the new generation that was rejoicing was drowned out by the people who were crying what the first Beis HaMikdash was. So all those people just pushed They couldn't believe that Kaddish Baruch Hu sent us away. And he doesn't want us. And he destroyed the Beis HaMikdash. And we're in Galus. We're not worthy. He doesn't want us back. They couldn't believe. They couldn't accept that. And they therefore didn't come back with Ezra. They, they couldn't wrap their heads around that. We're comfortable where we are. This is, not, this is no way this is, a, this is the final, the, the, the Geula and the final redemption. So what ended up happening was that the knowledge of the Kharban was actually dragging them down. The knowledge of the Kharban was actually preventing them from seeing the Nase of Purim, what it was truly meant to be. The Nesav Purim was meant to open the, the, the path for Klal Yisrael to be Zeichah to Mashiach. With the Nesav Purim, they killed out all the Mekatragim and Shemayim. There was nothing. The path was clear. They could go back to, to Eretz Yisrael. They could rebuild the base of Mekdash and Mashiach would, co- would come. There was nobody saying no in Shemayim. And instead, the problem was that down here, Klal Yisrael said no. The large parts of Klal Yisrael said it can't be. It, it can't possibly be a Kaddish Baruch who doesn't possibly want to redeem us. And Klai Yisrael had a lot of problems. They were marrying Goyim. They were so distant from Yiddishkeit and Gaul's bubble that they had forgotten even to build a sukkah. If you look at Sukkim and Nehemia, they, they, they had a lot of problems. And it was very hard for them to believe that a Kaddish Baruch who wants them back. But that was their mistake. And therefore, once Klaus, once the Chachamim saw that the fact that Klaus went into Golos was what was dragging them down. So they were attacking that the Simcha of Purim needs to be a Simcha that we forget about our history. We forget about the Golos that we're in because we can't allow that to drag us down. And what we're meant to accomplish with Chayev Inish Sumi Adelo Yada is that we reach a level of Betachin and a, a level of faith and a Muna in HaKadosh Baruch Hu where we let all our inhibitions aside, all our feelings of not worthiness, all our feelings of I'm not good enough, I'm unlovable, there's no way a Kaddish Baruch could possibly want. I mean, 
who doesn't suffer from those thoughts if we think that there was a generation that had a Chavetz Chaim, a generation that had a Rebbe Kiva Eger, a generation that had a Ksaysa Those people, the simple people, were tremendous people in that generation. My, my, my father <coughs> was a, a Talmud, al Shalom, he was a Talmud of Muchal Bar Weissmandlam, named after him. Uh, he was the Roshiva of Nitri Yeshiva. So he, as a young man, he traveled Europe a lot. And uh, he went to visit all the Gedalim in Europe, to Chafetz Chaim, Ruchaim Oizer, many interesting stories he had. But he related two stories about Balabatim, and I always find this tremendously inspirational. He said that he was on a train, and he was going towards Vilna. And there were a few other people on the train, and they asked him, where are you headed? They said, uh, he said, I'm headed, uh, I'm headed toward Vilna, I want to visit the people there. So they said, well, what do you have to see in Vilna? These were Polish Yidden, and they were from uh, you know, other, uh, other parts of Poland. They said, there's you know, a lot of Tamil Chacham there. So they said, ah, there, they don't know anything over there. If you're familiar with the kind of you know, uh, competition that was going on between Polish and, and Litvish and all other kinds. So they said, yeah, no, nobody knows anything over there. So he said there was another person in the car, and he said the guy looked like he didn't realize he was Jewish. He was dressed like a farmer, very simple clothing. He didn't have anything, any, anything Jewish about him. And the guy turns and he says, you know, I don't know why you'd say a thing like that. You know, I'm from Vilna, I'm a Pashta, I'm a farmer, and I live in Vilna. Um, and, and, and I'm the least of the people there, but I know Gemara, Ashitaisis, and Gan Shas. So Mechal Rav Weissmandel, who was a Baki in Shas, said that he started asking questions. And this Pashta Balabas knew Gemara, Ashitaisis, Gan Shas. So he said, and another, he said, and on the same trip, he said he was leaving Varsha, and he sat down in in his uh, in his train car, and then next to him there was, you know, there were, the train cars were two benches facing each other with a table in the middle, and there were four people that looked like businessmen, and they sat down, and one of them said, "Okay, Rabbi Sai, let's begin," and he was sure one of them is going to pull out a pack of cards and they'll start a game, poker or whatever, they can start playing a game. He says, the first one said the first Tysus in Mesechus Ksubis by heart. And the second one said the second Tysus in Mesechus Ksubis by heart. The third one said the third, fourth, fifth, sixth. They spent the whole trip learning all the Tysus in Mesechus Ksubis, one after another. And they said a number of such stories. So there were people like that, and that was the Balabas in those days, not that long ago, right? We're talking in the 20s. And we think to ourselves that they didn't get a gula and a Kaddish Baruch Hu didn't want them back. How in the world is it possible that he wants us back? And that, that is what Chazal wants us to forget. That is what Chazal wants us to forget. Which we forget our whole past history and understand that what a Kaddish Baruch Hu was coming to demonstrate to us on Purim is that when you reach a madrega that you want to come back, when we are ourselves confident that we are ready to go to Yerushalayim, we're ready to be Mechabal Mashiach, we really want, then the path is clear, then the path is open. That's the level of betachen that we're trying to reach on Purim. We're trying to forget all our chesrainus, all our failures to understand that HaKadosh Baruch Hu's love for us, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's desire to have us back has no limits. The blockage is from our side, always. It's us that aren't ready to come back. It's us who's not ready to follow the lead, to, oh, to, 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 to continue down that path. There's a, a famous story that they say about the Beis HaLevi. You may have heard it, that 
the Beis Alevi was a Rav first in one place, before he was a Rav in Brisk, and uh, it didn't work out well for him over there. He got into a lot of issues with the Balabatim, the whole story. So he stopped the Rabbanus over there, and then he was in the Yeshiva, and then there was issues in the Yeshiva. So he, at that, at that point, had like kind of sworn off Rabbanus. He was like, done, I'm not going to be a Rav anymore, I'm just going to learn. And at that point, the, the Kehillah and Brisk wanted to offer him Rabbanus, and they came to offer him their Rabbanus, and he refused. But they told him, Rabbi, there are 21,000 people in the street waiting for you to come, because they're convinced that you're going to accept this Rabbanus. So he said to his son, uh, Chaim, he said, Chaim will get me my, you know, my uh, up hat, my top hat. We have to go. There's 21,000 people waiting for me. How could I say no? And it said that the uh, Chavetz Chaim, when he heard this story, he started crying. And the Chavetz Chaim said, with 21,000 people are waiting for the Beis Halevi, he can't say no. He has to come. He says, are there 21,000 people waiting for Mashiach? If there were 21,000 people waiting for Mashiach, he would say the same thing, I have to come. We're not waiting. And that, I think, is the Nakuda that we're trying to accomplish. With Chayi Ben Yishlopsumi Adal Yada, and when we start, we have to start already in Mishanichnas Adar, Marvin Besimcha, we begin the process of convincing ourselves that Kaddish Baruch does want us back, and that Kaddish Baruch wants us to understand that there will be nothing more we give him nothing more joy for us to turn around and to face him and say, take us back. And if we would all wait for Mashiach, Mashiach would take a come. So may HaKadosh Baruch Hu grant us all the inspiration and the seichel and the ability to steig and to, to elevate ourselves on this Yantav of Purim, to understand the primius of what Purim represents, the Ava that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has for us. And may we be zeicha to truly achieve that level of betachan and that amuna to be zeicha along with Gans Klal Yisrael to Mashiach to Kenyim Meherbi Amen Amen.